BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome on into an edition, not a Monday edition, but Tuesday of the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. I'm Adam Weiner, alongside Thomas Carinante, and I appreciate everybody bearing with me while I was at the World Baseball Classic in Miami over the weekend. Uh, quarterfinal USA Venezuela, semifinal USA Cuba at the time of my life. Just came back, saw maybe a top 10 baseball game in American history. I don't know. Somehow it wasn't even the best game of the weekend. Last night's Japan-Mexico tilt was even better. We're going to talk about what's going on in the WBC because it's what's on the minds of anyone and everyone right now. Because spring training baseball, it's always boring this time of year. It's even more boring when there's a gigantic tournament going on in the same state as most of uh, these spring training games. Yankee spring training, uh, dreadfully dull lately. They're 2-10-1 in their last 13, and they're losing again today. It's hard not to get upset by the scores. I certainly have not enjoyed falling from 7-4 and four to their current record, but it doesn't matter as long as players look good and players look healthy. We'll talk about the updates on uh, Luis Severino, who's on the mound today, as well as the only unfortunate injury update we actually have, which is Tommy Canley, the rest of the stuff, is going pretty all right and on point and on schedule. Garrett Cole has spoken on the shortstop competition, what we've watched and the patterns we've seen and how they feed into what we can expect on opening day. Does Isaiah Cotter-Falefa reach that opening day roster or not? We're going to probably update you on that race every time we have a podcast. Plus, how have things in the WBC affected the Yankees' title chances? A couple major injuries, some really toxic discourse, and one Boston Red Sox star who looks a little better than we maybe thought he would. Uh, make sure to follow us, uh, like, and subscribe to the channel on YouTube. We're live streaming every Monday and Thursday, typically 2 o'clock Eastern time. Today is, in fact, Tuesday. We are not here by accident. This is purposeful, but it's all good. And if you aren't a video fan or a video fiend or you're just an audio head, Come find us on all podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. We're going to be everywhere you're checking, so please subscribe there as well. Drop us a review if you feel like it, but only if it's a five-star. Otherwise, 
No point. If you think we're a zero-star podcast, not nice. Don't leave a review. Think we're four stars out of five could be better. Maybe just tweet that at us. Don't leave us a four-star review on an Apple podcast because it doesn't help anybody. Just drop it. If it's a five-star, let us know. And, and communicate with us on Twitter. You can find us on Twitter if you want to tell us. Otherwise, Thomas Carinante, welcome to the podcast. And you have a very special offer for our friends, streamers, and listeners. Of course I do. I'm always here with the goods. Uh, folks in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, um, we got a promo for you. DraftKings is here. Um, if you head on over to DraftKings website or app, whichever you prefer, punch in the code YanksGoYard as a first-time uh, sign-up account. You bet $5 on any sport, you get $150 in bonus bets if your bet wins. So are you a true American? Do you follow base World Baseball Classic? Do you think Team USA is going to beat Japan tonight in the championship game? I don't know if there's a better opportunity for you to potentially cash in this bet. You head on over there, you bet $5 on that game, USA wins, you get $150 in bonus bets. Um, this is for all the folks in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. Uh, it's a minimum $5 deposit and a wager is required. It's for new customers only. As I mentioned, uh, you must be 21 years and older and present in any of these three states, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. If you're in New York, gamble, gambling problem, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In New Jersey, gambling problem, call text 1-800-GAMBLER. In Connecticut, same type deal. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. Um, folks, very important here. Uh, these promos support the pod, support us. Um, so if you can head on over, if you have any interest in doing this, we got March Madness, Sweet 16's coming up this week. You got match play golf this weekend. Um, opening day is in nine days. You can cash it in in nine days if you want. Bet the Yankees' first game of the season. So um, it's much appreciated. Your guys' support means everything. Um, Yanks Go Yard is the code if you're heading over to DraftKings. Don't forget it. Don't forget it. Uh, let's talk World Baseball Classic first because, uh, yeah. you know, I just I officially hit the saturation point uh, where I can't be talking about the ins and outs of Yankees baseball in spring training every single day. Uh, is Anthony Volpe going to make, you know, the opening day roster? I sure hope so. Uh, is there anything to be concerned about from the recent uh, stuck in the mud play? I hope not, uh, but I don't really want to extrapolate it too much. I don't want to be like, man. I, I mean, it's very easy as a fan to be looking at it and being like, I know these games are meaningless, but can we not lose all of them? And I definitely feel that. I'm definitely like, hey, two, ten, and one. That's that's bad. That's really bad. Can we not do that? Uh, that said, Two wins in the first series of the year, and I'm all I've already forgotten about it. Like, and honestly, if they go, well, let's say they go one and two against the Giants, I'm already talking about that. I am not talking about how the slow spring bled into the regular season. The sum total of the spring record that matters is I was just sort of hope I hope they go 500 every year, so I don't have to think about it. I don't need to look at it and go, eh, that's that's not good, or ooh, that's too good, which I've also thought. Uh, 500 every year would be great. They need to get on a little hot streak at the end of the spring to close that out in similar fashion. What's most important, it, it could turn on a dime, too. Luis Severino has been one of the worst pitchers in spring training, gave up a leadoff home run today, and then struck out seven guys in three innings, went four innings, two runs, looked great for the first time all spring. Chris Sale's resurgence was a major topic of conversation in recent days. Uh, talked about it with some friends last night. Today, it comes out, gives a bombs to the Orioles, six earned runs and four innings. So uh, you're only as good as your next start, and they matter less when these starts are being made in the middle of Florida. Unless it's a Rays game, Florida baseball just does not matter. That said, 
down in Miami, there's been some pretty exciting uh, baseball action going on. I ha- I was down there over the weekend, got back yesterday morning, sad to leave. New York is cold. Uh, Miami is incredible. And the Cuba game got a little, got a little spooky. There's some uh, uh, Cuban folks. Uh, there was protesters outside. There was a lot of political unrest. Two people ran on the field while I was there. It's kind of tough to get an Uber back. If there had not been a cop near me, I would not have felt as confident trying to grab an Uber back. But the game on Saturday was just incredible. America is in the final trying to defend their title. Uh, he said America lapping it up. They are. I, I think most people are watching a ton of this tournament. You know where the ratings are incredible? Japan, where 48% of people watch one of Japan's games in, in earlier play. And now they are in the final. This is the matchup everybody wanted. No upsets. If USA doesn't defend their title, if they lose in the final to a Japanese team with Otani and Darvish and Roki Sasaki and Murakami and Yoshida, there's no shame in that. It's just incredible baseball. It gives you the chance for Otani against Trout coming out of the bullpen. It gives you a chance for Lars Dupar on Japan's team against Nolan Arenado and company. It's nothing but exciting. And we've still, though, run into stuck-in-the-mud losers who are arguing that this doesn't matter that this tournament is for nobody, that it'll never be the World Cup, et cetera. Uh, Thomas, I mean, I wasn't around for the invention of the World Cup, but I don't think like 15 years into the World Cup that everybody's having conversations about how this will never be the Olympics and they should go back to discus throwing at the Coliseum. As far as I'm concerned, it takes time to get there. And this is the closest thing we have to a baseball World Cup. And outside of salty Mets fans, I don't really see who's enraged by this. Twitter in the early 1900s. Imagine that. That would be something. Um, I go to bed every night imagining it. I have my eyes open. While I can't sleep for like two hours because I'm thinking about how funny William Howard Taft's the night he got stuck in a bathroom. 20s Twitter. Twitter. Yeah, it'd be great. <laughs> Industrial Revolution Twitter. Um, look, I, you know me, I, uh, I'm frustrated with everybody. You have injuries are going to happen. I understand that there is an elevated sense of uh, competition with the world baseball classic, which potentially creates more strain, especially among pitchers. Um, The stakes are higher. So you're, you you know, you're, you're generally putting in a higher level of effort, which puts you more at risk for something. But um, in my opinion, Jose Altuve can get hit in the thumb in any game and break it. Uh, Could happen in spring training game. We've seen it happen a million times. Justin Turner got hit in the face could have been really bad. That was a regular spring training game that he was assigned to play in. Um, Edwin Diaz celebrating on the mound. I think that detracts from the argument that you all were initially having about, oh, this is they're, they're doing high ramp ups early on when they're not ready to play. Uh, Edwin Diaz was not warming up to celebrate. Uh, so that was not part of his routine. Um, that was a freak accident. Um, I understand he probably wouldn't be celebrating in a spring training game, but that this is an outlier. It's a situation that you are just, you're simply blaming the scenario when it had for the scenario existing, essentially. Um, I am really frustrated with it because there are people who are saying it doesn't matter, which is not true. Um, It's a, it's putting baseball on the global stage, which you all see what the world cup does every four years to the planet. Um, it's one of the most fun events of you know in in all of sports. Um, it brings countries together. Um, it it uh, bridges the gap between cultures. It's a beautiful thing. Um, so to say it doesn't matter, um, you're kind of an idiot. And then you know there are people who are saying this is absolutely everything. 
this is it. If we didn't have the World Baseball Classic, where would we possibly be? Um, that's frustrating me too because it's like the World Baseball Classic still has w- worlds to go before it's even close to that stage. Um, and I understand uh, it takes time to get there. Um, I don't think we need to oversell it. I don't think we need to undersell it. I think we need to accept it for what it is. It's a really fun event. I think this year is putting it on the map for sure. You saw these these games over the last uh, week or so. The Puerto Rico-Mexico Mexico game was awesome. Um, the United States-Venezuela game was awesome. Last night's game was the best game we've seen up until this point. Um, absolutely electrifying. So um, to say they don't matter, I understand the rules are a little bit relaxed for players being able to uh, participate on different countries' teams. But what does that matter to you? It just, it's whatever, just we're having a good time. We're, we're having these, you know, these country rivalries, which makes it more fun, I think. Um, So I think we just need to accept it as it is. It's a building block for the future. We're hopefully going to have baseball on the the grander stage over the next, you know, couple decades. And maybe it'll never get to world cup status, but it will be, it will be up there and it will be, what, what did it, what did it say? The, the, um, the hit last night, who hit that? Who hit it? Um, the the game winning Tommy walk off. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that got twenty three million. Yeah, that got twenty three million views. And Bryce Harper's home run got twenty two. Significant. Yeah. It, it Bryce Harper's home run and to send the Phillies to the World Series basically had the same amount of views in total, like up to now. Obviously, yeah. Twitter is in the moment. You know, things stop circulating. But it had the the Murakami walk off yesterday in under 24 hours racked up the same number of views as Bryce Harper's home run to send the Phillies to the World Series has in its entire lifetime. So that tells you a lot. Um, and I'll tell you what, I don't I don't know if it'll ever be the World Cup just because I don't know if baseball will ever be global soccer. You have your obvious hotbeds of baseball like Japan, U.S., Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, Venezuela. But there's no Brazilian baseball that team Nicaragua dipped out early. Like yeah. Cuba is, is less of a center point for baseball than it ever has been. And a lot of that was illuminated these past couple of weeks. They've lost a lot of talent to the majors. And most of those guys are not coming back and playing for the national team. So they're seeing their stake dip in the Caribbean series and all that stuff. But there are base, baseball might not be, you know, Italy, Spain, there's not quite so much baseball but it has its focal points for sure. And the people who love this board in those places love it more than they love anything. And I'll tell you, like it may never be the World Cup on a global scale. It's the World Cup when you're there. Uh, USA Venezuela is the best crowd I've ever been in at a sporting event. I've never been to a World Cup, but I can't imagine it's much different than that. Whistles, endless screaming, the ovation that the Venezuelan fans gave to the flag being unfurled in the outfield was as electric as any scoring opportunity. And that game was also perfection personified. I mean, U.S. goes out to a 3 nothing lead. Theoretically, think about any baseball game you've ever been to. Uh, the home team gives up three runs in the top of the first. They're a little bit silenced, right? It takes a big hit to get them back in the action. Luisa Rice hits that two-run home run. There isn't even an adjustment period. There's no, like, cautious optimism. Uh, That's something I've noticed in this tournament, and it really doubles down when you're there. It's just unbridled enthusiasm for the big moments. In, like, a World Series game, you've got Yankee fans on the edge of their seats. They go down 3-0 in the first. They strike back with a run in the bottom of the first, and they're excited. They're happy they did that. 
but they're not just letting loose. There's no, there's so much superstition involved. You're still rubbing your hands on your knees. Hope, okay, we still need two more. Like you're thinking overly negative. Where at? Like you're in the game rather than you know on top again. And as soon as that Venezuelan home run was hit to cut it from three nothing to three two, you felt like the crowd was like, all right, this is already over. Like we're back. We remember why we were here. We're screaming. They were dancing, unfurling flags. There were people in the crowd like salsing the entire time. They knew every lyric to every song that played between innings. There was nothing more embarrassing than the fact that they were trying to share the between inning songs with the U.S. So they would play like this sick Latin rhythm that everyone from Venezuela knew every word to when they were dancing around. And then the next half inning, it was like Zach Brown band chicken fried and sweet Caroline. And the USA people were clear, like the clear losers. And you just wanted to sort of shake the people and be like, hip hop exists. Do you guys remember hip hop? Because that's also American music. We could be playing that. We, we could be having fun. But it was like the most intense Venezuelan music of all time. And then like smash cut to party in the USA, which was the USA win song. Uh, and it was very embarrassing. But th- that sporting event, again, I don't know if, you know, I don't know if we're ever going to have sold out bars and 60 nations with you know everything shuts down and like all the germans going to the bar during the world cup and the english i don't know if we'll ever have that for the world baseball classic but what i do know is when you're there and it's the latin countries participating or it's japan participating uh, america was the clear road team in that game against venezuela in the game against cuba i mean American baseball fans, there's a lot of fervor and excitement at home, but they were the obvious road team in those games. And, and Miami helps for sure, but that atmosphere yeah. was unparalleled, and, and the sport clearly does transcend something. And they found something that works. Now, I, I do wonder if we're going to eventually move this thing, if we're going to take it to midseason. People have talked about expanding the All-Star break every couple of years to eliminate the All-Star game and include this um, I certainly know I don't, I, that comes with its own set of problems. I don't think people are, you think people are already not participating because they're worried about early ramp up. They're not going to participate if they're in the middle of an important major league baseball season either. And they're definitely not going to participate after the world series when they're trying to rest up and rehab and feel like they're already exhaling because they got out of a season without a major injury. I don't think they're going to tack on another two weeks to their arms. Uh, I don't know how you feel, but I feel like this is imperfect, but it's probably the best case scenario. And it's, it's what we're probably going to keep. Yeah. My only solution would be to um, limit the participant and this would be bad, I guess, but limit the participation to teams that didn't or players who didn't make the postseason. Um, so it necessarily wouldn't be overly, they, they wouldn't be overly taxed if you wanted to do it after the season when, people are still ready to play and you don't have to deal with this ramp up and you don't have to deal with canceling. You know, the the MLB all-star game is the best all-star game out there. It's there's, there's no question about it. So I think canceling that once every four years, it would be a horrific decision from a marketing standpoint, from a revenue standpoint. Um, My own, that would be my only other solution, but I mean, what are you going to do? It's once every four years. I think maybe if you did it, um, maybe if you push spring train, you started spring training, like, uh, four weeks sooner or six weeks sooner every four years to make up for this. Maybe, maybe that could make sense. Um, there's going to be, there, there is no perfect solution. So there's going to have to be some sort of workaround. Um, I would like if they had a little bit more time to ramp up because um, you don't want to deal with those injuries and we are already, you know, seeing some, some pitchers might be rusty. They're a little bit wild. Um, some players might not just be ready to go full throttle at this point. I'd rather see people a little bit more 
um, uh, warmed up and, and ready to go. I think that would be the only solution. But otherwise, I don't know what you're going to do without completely disrupting something more important or momentous. Well, the injuries are going to be the main story for a lot of people, for the curmudgeons among us. And like, I get it. But uh, I think there are three sort of distinct things that have emerged, obviously, in the last couple of days that are maybe going to affect the Yankees chances at at capturing a World Series this year. Uh, The people who are skeptics and and, uh, obviously the the barstool people who are, are angrily screaming about Edwin Diaz getting injured. Uh, that's important. And they're noting that like Aaron judge is not there and Garrett Cole is not there. And Carlos Rodon is not there. Sure. Uh, but it, it is important that they're, they're lionized to me. Uh, so Edwin Diaz gets hurt celebrating on the mound. Uh, first of all, Met fans were probably the worst possible fan base, uh, to try to, to, to be defending this uh, because they were like, well, he, you know, he never would have gotten hurt celebrating at spring training. Meanwhile, the Mets are the only team I've ever seen celebrate at spring training. They celebrated fake winning the World Series two years ago as a warm-up exercise. They were roundly trolled for it. So imagine if Edwin Diaz had gotten hurt doing that. Uh, <laughs> but then, of course, they said they're circulating this clip of Brandon Nimmo saying, I'd rather win a World Series, you know, all due respect to the guys who are out there, but I, I feel like I need to be here getting ready for the World Series. Then he gets hurt in spring training, sliding into second base, which is a very normal thing that happens. But all of a sudden, because of the timing, uh, you, you all of a sudden have this very ironic moment for Mets fans. I don't understand being told. Uh, I, I get, you know, some people, a lot of people dream of winning a World Series. And it turns out a lot of people from other countries also dream of winning a World Baseball Classic. So I'm not in the right mind to tell them not to do that. The, the Dominican Republic players uniformly said they they almost cared more about this. And so you come off as an angry American if you're screaming from home saying, uh, you know, you shouldn't. You should care more about the World Series because there are a lot of American-born players who, of course, care more about winning the World Series. Of course. They've been raised on the World Series. Maybe some of those people wanted to be Yankees, and they ended up getting drafted by the Nationals. And, you know, they've already spent a lot of their lives faking, caring about the Nationals. And so, you know, maybe there's already an element of faking in their everyday lives. But still, they want to win the World Series more than they want to win the World Baseball Classic, and that's fine. But imagine telling someone from another country who did not grow up here, who just wants to play professional baseball. They never dreamed of being a Detroit Tiger. They never grew up, you know, they dreamed of getting out. They didn't dream of like, oh, someday I got to win the World Series for the Minnesota Twins. They just want to provide for their families. So maybe those people do. You you should believe them when they say they care more about the World Baseball Classic. We don't tell anybody else to care more about their employers than their country. The Twins and Tigers and Brewers are these players' employers. Like if you and I were trying to celebrate the 4th of July and then our company was like, you can't celebrate it this year. Sorry, you have to celebrate Corporate Awareness Day. Would we be like, sure, boss, that makes sense. Or would we be like, no, I love my country and I like this celebrate. Like there's going to be pushback there. People are acting like they're being people are acting like it's completely unreasonable to say I'd rather win a world baseball classic than win a world series for this team. I, I didn't grow up caring about and just yeah. I just want to be happy. I just want to have professional success. It's not that ridiculous. Um, but Edwin Diaz is down for the count. That's important. Yeah got injured in the heat of the moment. No one can really pinpoint where it happened. The celebration didn't look particularly raucous, but awkward fall, which I think lends to, uh, you know, 
sort of goes against that Met fan theory of like, oh, only us, the World Baseball Club, they're celebrating meaningless baseball. They, they weren't really even celebrating that much. They were doing a pretty normal, he, he might have injured his leg in the same way, falling in the dugout or playing pickup baseball, basketball. Planting your leg wrong um, on a follow through. Yeah, they, they, this was, yeah. It, sure, it was an unnatural motion, but it's not like he was doing a kick line. Like he was just yeah. in a normal dog pile and, and tripped. He could have tripped anywhere. Um, I think an interesting Jose, parallel here, if yeah. like we bring in, no, we're not going to bring anybody in, but I'd like to ask like f- British fans who are Premier League fans. I think that's probably the closest thing you're going to get to having you know, to understanding this argument because they are all rabid fans of their clubs in England. The Premier League recruits the best talent across the world, so they're getting players from every single country and it's bar none it's it's epl over everything else you have what it's epl far and away and then what la liga or syria and then whatever else you have after that so for british fans who have followed those clubs since the day they were born regardless of who was on the team um versus you know uh all the african talent that's been recruited to play in the epl obviously the people, the folks in Africa who admire the players that have come up through, you know, through their country are going to have more stake, for example, in Senegal in the World Cup than uh, a couple of guys from Senegal playing for Chelsea. Um, and I know uh, and it could I, I think that would be a good um, little experiment because you also know how rabid the British fans are and they love the World Cup and they want their team to bring home the World Cup. So um it's I think it's just I think it really is just Americans being Americans. It's a classic situation where it's like, oh, what we do is more important. We're investing all the money. You know, this is our livelihood. This tournament doesn't matter yet and it might not ever matter. So why are we even following it? The World Series is the best collection of talent. Yeah. The EPL is the best. winning a Premier League is the tippy top of this of the soccer world. You're not you're not getting beyond that. Um, but the folks over there will still gladly enjoy three weeks off during whatever season the World Cup is interrupting to watch their team play in the World Cup. Um, so a uh, little exercise there we can maybe explore down the road, maybe next year, maybe next year. Yeah, we'll bring people in. I I, I think the Mets fan, the Mets fans are upset and, and rightfully so. It's not fun to see a season ending injury, but they're only upset because the injury happened. They would not give a shit if this had happened to another team. They're angry because they want to be angry. Yeah. They're angry. They're they're angry because they have a closer who they just signed to a big deal and they feel like, you know, they're they're lording over some ownership over his activities that I really have not enjoyed. Um, and it's also, again, not as if he was doing something unsanctioned, not as if he was doing something that was not approved by the Mets. He was not playing a water polo. He was not doing dangerous cliff diving. He was doing a major league baseball event where he hurt himself. He could have done that at spring training. Regardless, it's a big, it's a big injury. That's a big one. That changes yeah. the Mets calculus. Uh, relievers are less important than ever, but closers are still key. You're going to feel uncomfortable if you don't have a top quality closer. And Edwin Diaz is the best in baseball, as of now, as, as of this moment, that relievers are fungible, but entering this season, he's the absolute most dominant force you can have in the ninth inning. They don't have him anymore. No. That decreases the Mets' chances of winning a title this year. It does. Uh, also, Jose Altuve, less so because Houston always finds a way, and he's only going to miss two, two or so months. Uh, but if that's surgically repaired, if he's out for a significant chunk of the season, there's a chance 
the Seattle Mariners can win the West and send Houston into a wild card battle, which would be the ideal. Um, anything we can do to knock down Houston's win total now matters because it changes when the Yankees would see them in a theoretical postseason. So I don't think the Altuve injury is going to keep them out of a postseason, but it makes their path harder. And then, of course, the third thing is just the plain truth that Masataka Yoshida of the Red Sox has been the best player in this whole tournament so far. Uh, like Otani and Suzaki, sure, but he leads. He set a WBC record for RBI, hasn't struck out yet, and hit the clutch three-run homer yesterday on an inside low and in changeup. Um, I don't know who that was wild. I don't know who lied to us and, and all got together and agreed this was a massive overpay. But we can agree there's no such thing as an overpay for a good player. Maybe I could have gotten him for seventy million or sixty-five. Who cares? Now he's on your team, uh, so it seems like the overpay stuff doesn't matter at all. The Red Sox, I, I don't, you know, I think they're still what we thought they were. They always have offense. They can always hit. But Yoshida is a genuinely great baseball player, and I, I'm. Not looking forward to facing him for the next several years. And I'm no longer excited that the Yankees didn't fill their left field hole with him, which they were rumored to do earlier in the offseason before the Red Sox got him. And we are stuck with Aaron Hicks, who tripped over himself and made a weird dive the other day. Let another fair ball fall fair because uh, he misjudged what a foul line looks like. Uh, he has been a pretty unmitigated disaster for the past week or so. And Yoshida has elevated his profile significantly. Yeah, I wouldn't say I'm worried. The Red Sox have a lot of problems. For example, they have no pitching staff. Um, Corey Kluber is the opening day starter, which is kind of hilarious. Uh, for some reason, Chris Sale is starting the second game of the season. I don't know why. Um, Chris Sale has been, quote, looking good, but 11 starts since the beginning of the 2021 season. Uh, even if he is looking good, um, I don't think you're staking much in him throwing more than 140 innings this year. Um, you talk about the bullpen. Yes, sure. They improved a little bit, but, um, we ask a Dodgers fan about Kenley Jansen. Kenley Jansen is a very good closer, but Kenley Jansen is far from nails. Um, I think, uh, the Chris Martin signing was a solid one for them, but that was another situation where the Dodgers reinvented somebody who was kind of, uh, you know, on the back end. Um, I don't know if Justin Turner's necessarily going to kick our ass. Um, even though he is a, a, a really good baseball player, um, I'm not confident in the Sox whatsoever. Um, you have they have a lot of question marks, and I think um, I think Yoshida is obviously a positive for them. Um, but to think he's going to carry over this play into the regular season, like there's different motivation here, right? Playing for his country, playing amongst all of his uh, probably some of his teammates or former teammates and countrymen in general. Um, the motivation's a lot different. I'm not saying he's going to be less motivated to play for the Red Sox, but he's going to be in a completely different environment, so much farther away from home without anybody that he has these close relationships with. Um, so I think that is going to play a role. It'll, it'll take time to assimilate and get used to being in that kind of new environment. Um, don't spook me on the Red Sox this early. I don't want to have to deal with this right now. I'm just getting it from all the Red Sox people. So I give it back to you. I don't think they're going to be any better than we think they're. I think they're going to be better than they were last year. I think they're a 500 team. I think they probably, um, it, you know, the, the balanced schedule helps them a little bit because the rest of the AL East is still better than they are. I think the Orioles have a better roster than they are. Uh, but bottom line, you were just hoping Yoshida was kind of a, a punch and Judy hitter, like a 270 guy, six, eight, nine homers a year. Uh, he appears to be better than that. He appears that this stuff's going to translate. So fingers crossed that he doesn't become too much of a thorn in the Yankees' side, at least not this year. Um, I I, uh, I was going to tell a story about my flight down to Miami. I actually don't want to now because I uh, let's just say I sat next to somebody who was deeply frightening. 
uh, who was who had a phone call before we took off that no human should make in public, uh, made it very clear he was going to do some illicit things. Uh, and I was like, well, I really hope he doesn't talk to me. And then he talked to me for like an hour and a half. It's the longest flight of my longest two and a half hour flight of my entire life. At one point, the girl behind us, he turned around and started talking to her. And she was like, I heard your phone call nice. earlier, by the way. Heard the phone call earlier, by the way yikes or whatever and i was like don't rile him up i just spent like two hours trying to talk him down don't get him mad don't do it uh he kept trying to he tried to ask for my instagram handle and i was like no it's all good man it's actually all good i don't it's it's fine we like don't need to do that and then he showed me his and i was like all right well i mean now i now i see yours that's cool um and i i kept him you know he wasn't angry but then on the way off the plane started talking to my i started talking to my dad and he was like i don't care if that's your uncle or your dad or whoever that is you better let me off this plane i was like all right we got hostile right right at the horn uh so i just uh yeah i didn't give him my handle he knows my first name and he knows i work in sports so i don't think he's on the stream but if he is i'm gonna give you a shout out um and i enjoyed our five-star review. yeah give us a five-star review if you want i enjoyed our conversation but please uh don't find me i'm no longer at the airport I'm no longer in Miami. I'm hopefully a little bit tougher to track uh, than I once was. Uh, <laughs> I really hope so. But if you're that person, you've got illicit interests, maybe you uh, maybe you like to curtail them, you like to visit apps, uh, maybe you have your favorite app, maybe you like DraftKings, um, and maybe you're someone who knows a good deal when they see one. Well, we're happy to offer you one. If you are a DraftKings user in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, bet $5 on any sport any sport get $150 in bonus bets if your bet wins as long as you use the code yanks go yard that's yanks go yard no spaces every time you do this it helps us out tremendously if you want to keep me safe from this terrifying man who may or may not be stalking the everglades looking for me down in florida there's no better way than putting a little bit more money in my pocket than using code yanks go yard to bet five dollars on any sport get 150 dollars in bonus bets if your bet wins seriously the whole flight the man was watching et and making finger gestures at the uh et on the screen he also uh was visibly drunk maybe even blackout drunk when he got on the plane and i was like oh at least they're not going to serve him any alcohol they gave him a double of jack and two beers Deeply terrifying. Uh, airline staff got to be a little better there too. But uh, yeah, I, I felt deeply unsafe. And I'm hoping for this DraftKings money to make me feel a little better. It's minimum $5 deposit and wager required. New customers only. So only new customers of the app. You help us. If you are a new customer, you use the code Yanksco Yard. Uh, 21 plus and present in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. Gambling problem? Call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369 in New York. In Jersey, call text 1-800-GAMBLER. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. See full terms at DraftKings.com or in the description below. Wow, it's fun doing that. I hope I didn't weave in too many details about my friend. He's a skydiving instructor. So... You're looking for one oh. of those. Well, don't. I wouldn't have a double jack and two beers before betting on DraftKings. I'll just put it that way. Uh, yeah. Again, I, I like. There were. Uh, I thought it was like. I heard a double jack get ordered, and I was like, "That's the craziest thing I've ever heard get ordered on a plane." And then the girl behind me was like, "I'll have a double jack and coke." I was like, two people got it. Nice. Like this blackout guy got it, and also this woman got it." Uh, I guess that's late night Friday Miami flight life. You're just going to end up with more of these characters.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Um, I was feeling significant pain on that flight. I was very nervous. I felt tension in my body. Also feeling tension in his arm specifically. I got it because I was grabbing the armrest out of fear. Tommy Canely got it because he was throwing and trying to ramp up. Uh, now, this is truly a sad story. Uh, everything else appears to be going well for the New York Yankees this spring. Uh, a lot of the injuries, apparently Bader is further along than we thought. Great. Not going to put too much stock in that, but it's good to hear. Carlos Rodon's throwing session went well. Yankees are encouraged by that. Fantastic. Jose Trevino was scratched from today's game, but now he's back. That's weird. He actually played today's game. He started. Nothing wasn't scratched at all. Canely, different story. Uh, tried to throw, and one day later, he was already feeling pain. His quote about it was extremely depressing. Uh, so uh, only to touch on it quickly, when do we see him again? Uh, and counting the playoffs last year, he threw 14 and two-thirds innings for the Dodgers. Does he go over or under that total this year? I, I'm under, uh, and I hate that I'm under, but I'm under. Yeah, I'm under. I uh, The second that this happened, um, I – had a terrible feeling um and the setback last thursday i believe it was he the day he began his throwing program which you have to imagine is not intense it's the first day back from the he was shut down for almost two weeks first day back is certainly not intense um he felt pain after that and then couldn't throw over the weekend um i'm not optimistic whatsoever i was actually a little bit worried when they first signed him um, but I didn't want to put that out there. I didn't want to give it any life yeah. um, because I was actually excited based on how he performed down the stretch last year for the Dodgers after not pitching for the better part of two full seasons. Um, and it was also kind of cool that the Dodgers ended up paying for his rehab after he left us. And then we were getting him back supposedly at full strength after undergoing all that rehab. So the vibes were pretty good at that point. And he also took less money to play for us instead of going to the Red Sox for more money. Um, but yeah, I am not, I'm really not feeling good about this uh, because he has been injured for, and don't forget 2018, he was limited with injuries as well. Um, he's thrown, I think a total of 98 innings since the start of 2018. That's not, that's not a good workload. Um, and that doesn't, 
make that doesn't make him prepared to pitch in my opinion even 50 innings this year um and if he i don't think i don't think we're going to see him we'll see him at the earliest in the middle of may that's being optimistic um and i think we'll see probably a few issues here and there a couple of il stints before the year ends um i I, I'm I'm really not feeling good about this, but thankfully the bullpen's a little bit deep and we'll be able to get through with it. We got through with it. It's just frustrating because we got past the injury regression issues in Zach Britton, Aroldis Chapman, and Chad Green, and now we're inheriting injury issues with Tommy Canely, Lou Trevino, who I understand um, they're optimistic about, but he has an elbow strain. I don't know how you could be optimistic about an elbow strain. Um, and then as much as I love Michael King and hope he's on the mend fractured elbow last July. I don't know if we know exactly what's going to happen with that. So um, we essentially subbed out three players who were liabilities and injury risks and subbed in three more who are apparently the same thing at this point, not feeling good about Canely at all. No. And Canely was supposed to be the one who was back earlier. It was like Trevino's strain yep. is worse. He'll be back in May. Canely might make opening day. He's going to be on the IL, but it might just be a formality. He, only, he might miss five days. You know, he, he thought he was going to be, he said originally last time I had this, I pitched through it and I just wasn't good. So I didn't want to pitch through it again this time, but who knows if I'll even miss time. Now I'm, I'm with you. I don't even know if you get 15 full innings on the year. I'm not feeling confident at all. When a player is that uh, depressed by their own injury, you know it's bad. When they're sounding resigned to the fact that I'm, he was like, I'm so sick of rehabbing. Like it just sounds like he's over it, um, and that's never a good thing. Players know their bodies more than anybody else. So it's not like we can't withstand a bullpen injury, but I'm still feeling dreadful about it because I don't want a good bullpen arm. I want Tommy Canely, and I want him active. Yeah, I love Tommy Canely's attitude. That was also part of the signing when he came back. He was like. He was the loud, energetic dude who also was very friendly with everybody. Um, so that was another element that was hopefully going to be brought back to the Yankees. And speaking of that, if Canley was there to help, we'd have a veteran aspect of it. We have the younger version of it, I think, with the shortstop competition. Garrett Cole, great guy, really good pitcher. Frustrating at times, but overall we like him. Um, he is somebody who – has a very difficult time finding his words uh, and answer and answering questions uh, candidly and clearly and uh, just in generally helpfully. He doesn't really do that. But when asked about the shortstop competition, he had a lot of good things to say. Um, uh, the uh, situation between Anthony Volpe and Oswald Peraza um, talked about how it brought a different type of energy um, to the team because uh, there's, uh, there's another element to follow in younger players, you know, trying to, uh, uh, establish themselves on a roster that's filled with veterans. Um, and also talked about, you, you know, kind of, you reminisce back in the day when you were in the same position and it, 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 it's a whole different atmosphere. Um, so I'm wondering based on what he said, uh, in terms of how it's kind of reinvigorated the team in a certain respect during spring training and it's created, um, sort of a different maybe attitude heading into 2023. Um, I am really confident that even if Volpe doesn't make the opening day roster, um, that this battle in some way will have created a new version of uh, an energy surrounding this team that we we believe we, we believe based on what we've seen has lacked for quite some time based on the body language from certain players, based on the inability to kind of answer tough questions from the media. Um, 
based on kind of how they laid down to some of our, you know, most hated opponents in the biggest games. Um, this sort of injection of life into the roster can do wonders. And the fact that Garrett Cole is being clear on that front has me optimistic. I'm deeply excited by all this. And I find it odd because at the beginning of the off season and in the beginning of spring training, I felt like I was having the same conversation over and over again, where people were like, I'm worried that IKF is going to be the starter. We're going through this whole competition. It's BS. They're obviously going to start IKF again. Peraza didn't get run last year, so they don't believe in him and they'll never start Volpe. And now all of a sudden I find myself, I was on the side that whole time of like, you guys are crazy. It's going to be Peraza. Don't get like, it, this isn't one of the decisions the Yankees are going to botch. They'll send Volpe down, but obviously Peraza will start on opening day. Now, I have not seen much Peraza lately. Like, I, I have unconvinced myself. Yeah. That maybe I'm being foolish, but there was definitely a time when I was like, it'll be Peraza. Stop thinking about IKF. When's the last time you saw Peraza at one of these important games? There's Anthony Volpe again today, batting fifth, playing short, just pulled his hands in and destroyed a double off the wall and left, stole his fifth base of the spring earlier in the game. It feels like he's now the default option. And and, and you you start thinking maybe they want to see more of him, et cetera. But why do they care? Like, they're, they're going to see him either way, like whether he starts or not. They've seen plenty. They know what he is. They've held on to this asset for this long. They know what kind of player Anthony Volpe is. If he's not up on opening day, he's going to be up really soon. I am no longer worried about them de-emphasizing him and leaving him in the minors for too long and yo-yoing him. I think they're just trying to figure out the right way to do this because he's getting a lot of spotlight and he's delivering in it. I agree. Um, and again, you've, hear, you've heard all the chatter amongst everybody else, uh, insiders, pundits, who – are generally privy to how the Yankees kind of operate. And at this point they're like, I don't know. I think Volpe could probably be the starter based on how this is kind of trending. Um, and like you said, the, he's undeniably making an impact. Um, I don't know what this means for Peraza. Um, I don't know if this means Volpe's just going to start on the bench and they're going to figure out a way to integrate him because at this point um, I don't think – See, now this is a conversation we have. Would you rather Anthony Volpe getting part-time reps at the MLB level or everyday reps at AAA? I'd probably say part-time reps at the MLB level, forcing the competition and eventually getting the role, if it came down to that. Um, at this point, I think he is the winner of the shortstop battle. Um, but I don't think he serves any purpose at AAA. What do you want to do? Like like the, the critics last year, oh, we only hit 249. Okay, yeah, all of a sudden batting average matters, right? You want to see him hit, what, 275 at AAA before you deem him ready to hit major league pitching? I don't really think that that, that matters. You've seen his five tools on display across all three levels, no matter how short it was at the highest level, level at AAA. And the fact that he was able to do it throughout spring training against, you know, major league competition shows that maybe we can skip that step um, and fast forward to what it'll look like with him in pinstripes. So um, I, uh, I I like where this is trending, reg honestly, regardless, because either way he's up in May, if they're going to, if they're going to, you know, squabble about the, the service time situation. Um, and uh, either way, it's going to reinvigorate the roster in, in some capacity over the next two months. Yeah, he's not Jason Dominguez. Like, he's not 20 yeah. years old. 
although he's not old, but he's not 20. He's not hitting homers off uh, minor leaguers pitching in late relief in these games. He is starting, he is facing major league starters, and he's dominating. And if you're watching these games and you don't feel like he's ready, uh, I don't know what he's going to gain at AAA that he's not going to be able to gain in the majors. Like in major league spring training, he's starting and he's hitting off Spencer Turnbull and the starting pitchers that all major league. At this point in spring training, nobody's getting a start who isn't a real starter. So Anthony Volpe is starting and facing major league pitching and he's excelling. And he's succeeding. And so if you're watching him in spring training and you're like, man, I, he could really use more reps at AAA, though. Why? Like, AAA pitching is worse than this. So he's already doing it against these guys. Let's just let him do it in the big leagues. Uh, the service time thing is real. The fact that you can't yeah. unring the bell is real. Like you, you bring him up and you start him to start the year. Then you got you to take the keys away at some point. That's really awkward. But I think you're right. I would rather see him get part-time reps in the big leagues than full-time reps in the minor leagues. Because – Based on what I've seen this year, and I wasn't prepared to feel this way, I don't know what else he can learn at AAA that he can't learn or that he doesn't already possess. He is somebody who can do all the things that he's showing us he can do. I don't know what more he needs to pick up or absorb at AAA. Uh, Now, based on this snap decision, uh, end of the spring training, you know, the roster cuts are coming. we got another week. Josh Donaldson is homered twice today, by the way, two times. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, traded or not, traded or not, because we talked about this, uh, Rafael Ortega, if he doesn't make the team, he's going to get cut. Esteban Floreal, if he doesn't make the team, he's going to get cut. ICAF can back up these outfield positions, apparently, starting in left field today, um, but also there are so many infielders. There's so much Oswaldo Cabrera, Volpe we'd like to see, Peraza we'd like to see, Donaldson's going to start, LeMayhew's healthy, hopefully, Glaber Torres is back. Do we really need to use a roster plot on Isaiah Kiner-Faleva? Can't we just treat him to one of these shortstop needy teams? Knee-jerk reaction now. Is he here in a week or is he gone? I think he's here. I think there's too many questions you have. If Donaldson is still bad, um, I think you might want to shuffle in, you know, the infield picture and maybe have IKF play third sometimes or – you know, move DJ over, put DJ at third, and then maybe you have a situation where somebody needs to take off and he needs to play second base. Um, you have the outfield problem. Um, I know he's been logging reps out there. I don't necessarily trust it, but um, if they view him as a super, super utility type, um, then they're going to try to make it work, especially if they can't offload the $6 million salary. My only reason, my only inclination that tells me that he still might be dealt is because a lot of the a lot of the insiders have said that teams like to wait until the tail end of spring training before making a deal um so teams like the dodgers or the rockies or what have you who need this infield help um probably wanted to go forth with the internal options during this literal tryout period before making an overarching roster move um in the form of someone like ikf however then again i don't know who's taking the six million on his deal, especially because he's been bad in spring. He struck out in 28 at bats or something, or 27 at bats or something. Um, he's hitting in the low 200s. He's OPSing in the 600s. Um, once again, I know spring training is not an indicator of that, but it doesn't help when you have a bad one and you're a trade candidate. So um, I think the Yankees bite the bullet. They figure out what they can do with them. Worst case scenario, um, Volpe forces the issue. He's on the opening day roster. Um, someone else manages to 
put forth admirable reps and maybe IKF is DFA down the road. I don't know, but I don't know who's going to take him at this point. I think he stays too. I think a lot of that talk about him moving to the outfield and moving around for his resume got a lot of people excited about, Oh, you know, of course now maybe he, he's just building up his trade candidacy, but he's working out of positions where the Yankees need him. If somebody else trades for him, he's going to be an infielder. Like the Dodgers need a shortstop. The Dodgers are not playing him in left field. They have too many outfielders. The Rockies are a mess, but if they trade for him, they're not trading for IKF under the condition that he plays the outfield. They're trading for him because they need infield help at short at third. Anyone who trades for him is going to immediately revert him back to an infielder. He's doing all this work specifically for the Yankees. So no, I, I think he still makes the team. I think Ortega, I think Floreal is the one who's gone in the odd man. Uh, that is it for this edition of the Yanks go yard podcast. Before we go, one more thing, Todd Frazier joining the Yes Network. Big news. Uh, I'm excited about it. Uh, it, it he's a, he was a, watching Todd Frazier postgame interviews, especially after game five of the 2017 ALDS, felt different. Felt like the Yankees were returning to their roots a little bit, getting more personality on the team. He was traded for in midseason and was immediately the rep for that team. Yeah. Like you saw him on MLB Network talking about the 2017 Cleveland series. He was the guy they went to in the aftermath. And it felt like he was helping the team gel significantly. I love the move. People are already poo-pooing and shit-talking because you're going to hear about Tom's raver. You're going to hear about the Jeter picture. And no, you're not, though, because, like, I don't think they're going to bring that up all the time, a couple times. But it, it's old to that. Michael K. also gets bored of things. He's not just going to do it to do it. The only issue for me is that it feels like we already got our, our Paul O'Neill. Like, it took Paul O'Neill, like, 20 years after the dynasty, 15 years to join the Yes Network. It's been six years since 2017. It's been five and a half years since the trade. And already we have a Paul O'Neill style rep from the previous era of Yankees baseball. It kind of feels like the end of the baby ballers era. And it's it's really weird. It feels like a, just another reminder that there was no title won by those guys during that length of time. Yeah, sucks. Um, I think Frazier's only doing in-studio work though, like pre and post game stuff, if I'm not mistaken. Um, either way, I think it's a huge addition. It makes up for the Yankees, in my opinion, mistake of letting Cameron Mabin go. I thought he was great um, in terms of just de delivering a different perspective and bringing a, a, a younger voice and you know face to the table. Um, you always want to you always want to see that, especially when this league is trying to grow the game and attract younger fans. Um, Todd Frazier's obviously a very uh, um, impactful personality. Um, he spent a lot of years in the sport. He's a two-time All-Star, won the Home Run Derby, um, and I think most importantly was, uh, you know, in the Yankees' connection, was the kind of the leader of that team. And that's, once again, I'll go back and say it, the most impactful trade Brian Cashman's made in, um, I don't know, I don't know how long, since since that day, at the very least. Um I can't wait for him to drop a number of uh, big dogs live on the air. That's going to be fun when he forgets uh, Jack Curry's name, just when he's rambling on about stuff, he'll, he'll call him big dog or something. Um, and yeah, it brings the Jersey energy, man. Um, these broadcasts certainly need to be spiced up a little bit. Um, they're buttoned up, but you know, that's the Yankee way. You got Jack Curry, um, uh, John Flaherty and uh, Bob Lorenz, who are great, but you need a little bit of flair in there. Todd Frazier brings that. Um, he brings it appropriately, in my opinion. Um, and he's going to have a he's going to have a really good um, uh, a different set of insight on the game, um, especially 
being that he's played with some of these guys and he knows some of these guys. So I'm excited for it. Um, I don't think it's going to be boring or stale. I think it's going to be right up everybody's alley and exactly what the fan base needs. Yeah, I can't imagine going to a foam party with Bob Lorenz. I feel like that's important. I could absolutely imagine going to a foam party with Todd Frazier. Uh, well, that's it. We're excited to see him in action because we're excited for opening day. We're excited for the Yes Network to roll out opening day coverage. No more spring training. Get this shit off my screen. Uh, like Juan Uribe famously said in the Mets clubhouse, football, what is this bullshit? Put baseball on. That's what I like. Uh, that's kind of how I feel. Spring training, amazing to go to. Love drinking a beer with my friends, wearing cabana hats and board shorts, hanging out in right field, then leaving to get all-you-can-eat buffet. It's a great experience. But uh, when you're in week four, you just want the team to get to opening day healthy and get to the games that actually matter and and so that I can stop having discourse about Josh Donaldson. Again, Donaldson homered twice today. Cool. But I don't really want to have discourse about it. I, I just wanted to be – I want it to be over. I want uh, spring training to have ended for sure. Uh, good for the New York Yankees. Good for Josh Donald. But uh, yeah, uh, no more spring training, please. Uh, find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, truly wherever you get your podcasts. If you're a streamer, find us on YouTube Live, 2 o'clock Eastern time, Mondays and Thursdays. This is an atypical stream, but we thank everybody for joining us. And obviously the audio feed will be up soon. If you're a DraftKings user, don't forget... Use the code YANKSGOYARD, bet $5 on any sport, get $150 in bonus bets if your bet wins. DraftKings, if you're a DraftKings user, it actually won't help you because it's 21 plus and present in New York. New customers only. So please be a new customer to DraftKings. Use our code YANKSGOYARD. Again, gambling problem, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 in New York. 1-800-GAMBLER, call text it in New Jersey and in Connecticut, 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. See full terms of DraftKings are in the description below. Thomas Carinante, thanks for joining me as always. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weiner. Where can the people looking for us find you? They will find us. Uh, I'm at Tommy's underscore takes. You could find the two of us at the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account at Yanks Go Yard FS. Our bylines are at yanksgoyard.com. Plenty of content there for you. Please keep on heading over, engaging in everything, commenting, reaching out to us in any way possible. Um, we love it. We love the interaction. Uh, we love basing some of your opinions off of our content, having a good time with it. Um, thank you for the support as always. And we'll talk to you again on Thursday. Hopefully we have something fresh to talk about then. We'll see you. Credit Card Bill.